Good morning. So the reading today is from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 20. Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. When you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we are wiping off even the dust of your town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Isaac, if I haven't met you yet, it would be great to have a chat after the service. Uh, I might pray as we um, start looking at God's Word together, so let's pray together. Uh, Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come and to meet in this dry hall and to hear from your Word. Uh, Please help us to hear what you say. And Lord, might we have the same mentality as Christ. Might we look to serve others as he served us. And in his name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder if you can remember back to the drought um, last year and the, and the years before that. Uh, in January 2020, 100% of New South Wales was drought declared. I read that on a site um, and I was, I was shocked. I couldn't remember back to that point of just how much of our state was affected by the drought. 
Can you remember how deep those cracks were in the land? You might have spent some time out um, west on somebody's property and just saw how dry everything was. But we all know the transformation that's happened, and it's kind of strange to even think of it on a day like today, right? Only a year or two on. But a huge transformation has happened in our land, and we received record rainfall after one of the worst droughts in our living memory. And we're experiencing now all of this amazing rain that God is sending us now. But we're experiencing at the moment as well one of the strange effects from all of this rain. Um, You might have heard of all of the the rats that have taken over, um, particularly out west in certain areas of our state. Um, This plague proportion of rats. So that'd be something I think we we could definitely um, pray for that people would be coping well in this really difficult time and that even all this rain might help with that situation out west. It's one of these strange effects from all of this rain. And there was another strange effect that happened last year. Um, We were in need of more fruit pickers, more harvesters. I wonder if you can remember that. At different points last year and in this year, there's been such a a bumper crop that there weren't enough labourers to reap from the land. See, many temporary workers from overseas who'd normally be available, well, they went around because of COVID restrictions. They weren't here to labour in those fields. And there were huge incentives given to people who might be willing to go to these farms and to pick fruit or to harvest. In September last year, there was a blueberry farm in Tabulum, which is northern New South Wales, and they were offering $10,000 if you wanted to come and to pick blueberries on their farm. They were looking for hundreds and hundreds of more workers. They were desperate for labourers. And even in the middle of the pandemic, do you remember what our government did? They opened up a border bubble around the states and they allowed ag workers um, and harvesters to freely move from state to state. They realised how desperate it was. They needed more harvest workers on the ground. See, the harvest is plentiful. Uh, But the workers are few. And notice the desperate measures that people went to um, with such a bumper crop that our government would be willing to let people move freely from state to state, that people were giving out large sums of money for them to come to their farms. Well, the Lord Jesus, he has given us a weather report and it's still standing 2,000 years later. There's been buckets of rain and there's a bumper crop here. He may not have mentioned the rain, I'll I'll be honest, but he has told us the harvest report. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He has told us that. And he's telling us that this world, it is overrun with people. There are so many people, so many people made in his image, so many people needing the good news of Jesus. But like a fruit that's left on its tree for far too long, without anyone to harvest it, and many in this world, without the gospel of Jesus, will perish. And that's the the desperate call that Jesus gives to us. And with this need that's impressed on our minds, he sends out a band of 72 uh, workers into the harvest field on this short-term mission trip, we'll call it. And at times when I read about this early mission, it made me think, wow, there are just lots of... Of details, there's lots of instructions, right? In 20 verses, it just goes from one thing to the next. It's a bit like when somebody 
you, you go to ask somebody, okay, and what are the directions to, you know, I've just moved to this area, what are the directions to Toon Gabby shops or something? From my house, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. But you ask somebody and they tell you um, a few directions, you get a few directions in, and then they start telling you streets not to go down, and they start to tell you, you know, thing, things to look out for in the scenery, and you just get to a certain point where you kind of shut off. It, it's just enough information. Sometimes it's a bit overwhelming if there's too much details given. And Jesus, he mentions all kinds of things to these labourers. He says, he says to go, to be wary of wolves, to not carry any extra provisions, to be focused, to not even greet people along the way, to bless people, to get paid, to be flexible, to eat whatever you can, you're given, to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom. Simple. It's quite a lot, and it's overwhelming. And I wonder if you sometimes feel overwhelmed as you serve others as well. You think about the many instructions you have in service of others. But Jesus reassures us that he'll provide every need along the way. It is a big task, but he will provide every need along the way. And it's one of our key principles that we're considering here in our series. This key principle that we serve others um, instead of being served. We serve others rather than be served. It's one of our key principles in our series, walking with Jesus, as we learn from those first followers who walked with Jesus too. And I hope today as we consider what it means to walk with Jesus now, that we'd see the goodness of serving others. As we pour ourselves out for others, we need to remember that God does provide all that we need in our service. That's our first point for today. God provides in our service of him. And this idea of serving, not served, I mean, it can seem a bit harsh, right? It can seem like it's a lot to take on. It's a recipe for burnout, maybe. But this passage reminds us that even though true discipleship does involve carrying our cross, we thought about that last week, it does involve denying ourselves. God provides as we serve. We've got a good God who knows what we need and he has the power to provide it. Well, what does this passage say that God provides? God provides harvest workers. That's the first part of this, um, this point. God provides harvest workers. We started to think today about the great need for labourers in God's field and he is the provider you see this in verse 2. See, God is the harvest, the Lord of the harvest, and he sends out workers into his desperate world. He's provided, according to his plan, just the number of helpers and teachers and workers to go and seek and save the lost. And this verse is not talking about just a certain type of Christian, a certain elite type of Christian, but all Christians. All are workers in his field. We all go out to serve. It's talking about every member ministry. Like how Jesus taught that every one of us should show mercy to others, like the Good Samaritan did. It's one of these commands to every one of us. Well, what else does God provide in this harvest field? God provides every need that we have. See, God looks out for us as we look out for others. He provides the needs to these 72 disciples of him. I mean, imagine what they went through. They set out into this desert 
And they were told, don't bring anything with you. Don't bring coins in your wallet. Don't even have sandals on your feet. And just go into the desert. Go to an unfamiliar town. Imagine what's going through their mind as they're told this. It's the ultimate picture of a person that's in need. They're commanded in this mission from their Lord to go out like this without anything, really. And it's ordered to make a point, to show that God gives all that they need. Notice at the end of the story, we see every one of them return. God gives all that they need. And it's fascinating that by the end of the book of Luke, we, we have Jesus giving a very different command. I wonder if you've read that before. In Luke chapter 22, verse 36, he says a very different command to them there. He says to take their money bags this time. This is what he says in Luke 22, verse 36. He said to them, Jesus said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing, he said to them. But now, let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. See, two very different instructions with the same point. And for us now, it's not so much about what we do or don't take in our journeys. The point remains the same. God provides every need that we have, no matter what. And it's like the difference that a good boss can make for us. A good boss provides us all we need in our service of them. A good boss might provide employees or training or resources the people power and the encouragement when times are tough. See, our God asks us to give up a lot, to lay down our lives, yet he does provide us with all we need in in that pursuit. And I I found this really, really helpful over the the last few weeks as I've prepared this, to remember that God provides us with all we need as we serve him. It's his harvest field and it's his sovereign work in this world. That means that for me, that ministry teams, well, they're not actually my babies. And that God cares far more for his people than I could or that any of the leaders here could, any of the wardens could, any of us could. God cares far more for his church. And God will provide what they need. Just as Jesus was sovereign over the mission trip that happened many years ago, when no one even took a cent in their wallet, our God provides for his kingdom to be built even now. And those who serve here at TAC are given by God. And this passage has helped remind me to simply look out and to be thankful for um, when I notice people serving. It's helped me to notice. The people who give of their time to others, uh, who are quick to have a cuppa with somebody who's having a rough time, People who gladly take care of children at our many children ministries throughout the week and the the one-off events that happen even in our church. People who gladly labour and work on our many fields here at our church. The many um, bits of grass, people coming uh, often after their own jobs have finished for the day to serve us. And I met with a couple um, a couple of weeks ago and they described how in our church there's this bubbling under the surface of people serving others, that it's not always so apparent, um, but over time you can start to see the many ways people are serving without broadcast. They said that it took them the greater part of a year to see some of those unspoken ways that people serve. 
They started to notice people working uh, hard in prison ministry with people who are on the outside of society, people that would easily go unnoticed. Or the many hours that people give up uh, to go and spend time with people in need or to cook meals for people who need an extra bit of help. The people um, who wouldn't even think twice when somebody um, needs a physical need in our church. Uh, It was so encouraging um, to hear of them, uh, how they described this church, and it really warmed my heart uh, to to remember that we're not always going to see all the different ways that people are serving. Uh, So many of us are serving in unnoticed ways. And that serving Jesus goes far deeper and wider than any of us could actually see. And for those of us here who are serving Jesus throughout the week, I hope this passage has assured us that God will provide our needs, that God continues to care for us even in those really difficult times of serving him. Now that leads to us to our second point for today, that it involves labour and prayer. See, labour and prayer in dangerous service. See, we see that Jesus, uh, serving Jesus, as the first disciples did, will involve difficult work in verse 2. They're described as labourers. They're not professionals. It's simply the word for worker. And these first followers of, of Jesus, they persevered. And it wasn't like a laid-back you know, mission trip going on, a bit of a holiday, really. They were going out among wolves. Who knows what exactly they found hard about their journeys? We're not really told about those details. They likely come up against real opposition, though. Jesus gave them the instruction about what to do when a town does not receive them. So there was opposition. And for these 72, they were called to not only serve um, those who, sorry, they were called to serve only those who would receive them. So in that way, well, our labor in the Lord is more difficult. We don't just go out to people who receive us. We don't just go out to people who are favorable or keen to hear about Jesus. While much of our ministry does go to those people who are ready and willing to receive Jesus, we also serve the many people in this world who reject him. And we're persistent in that. We don't just dust off our feet and say, well, it's a, it's a lost cause. And this practice of like, dramatically dusting off the, the dust off your feet, um, I was reading up on it and it looks like it was actually this practice that was happening at the time. Um, Before Jesus came about, the Jews would often do this. It was this dramatic um, practice to show that they were um, having judgment on a town that they're just leaving. So as Jews would leave a Gentile city, a non-Jewish city, city, uh, they would dust um, dust off their feet in a really dramatic way to show, look, we are separate from you, we're different from you, We're, we're casting judgment on you guys. So as the 72, as they shook off the dust off their feet, it pronounced judgment on those cities who were rejecting Jesus. The whole thing was being turned around. And that's what these disciples were commanded to do. But for us, we're we're commanded to persevere. Not just to go on uh, to the easiest crowd that we can find. See, our service of others should align with what Scripture teaches us elsewhere. See, 1 Corinthians 10, it says, No one should seek their good, but the good of others. That looks like persisting in service, doesn't it? 
That's the kind of self-denial that wouldn't just give up on someone after one go, but would persist in love. Or as we considered last week, serving means carrying our, our cross, giving up your life for Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, looking to serve instead of being served is a habit which is good for us. See, last week we learnt how this path, it leads to life, life eternal. Rather than forfeiting our soul in the comfort of this world, serving Jesus like this, will, it will lead us to life eternally. See, part of our labour in the Lord, we're given a really specific way that we are to labour in the Lord, and that is through prayer. See, just as our country realised the desperate need for workers, for the harvest fields of our state, the massive crop that was before them. Also, we need to recognise the desperate state of our world. And it can be easy to just get stuck in it, to keep serving and to kind of get um, focused on ourselves in service rather than on, in prayer to our God who provides all of our needs and provides our workers. See, when we're tired in serving, when we're confused or discouraged, we're called to pray to our God. And there are many other shortcuts um, in ministry that we might want to take. We might want to just do the bare minimum as we, as we serve him. But um, a phrase that's really stuck with me over the years is that prayer is the greatest shortcut in ministry. Prayer is the greatest shortcut in ministry. And when we're feeling discouraged, when we're feeling tired, when we're feeling a bit over it, uh, prayer is the best way that we can react in those moments to remember that God is in control. He's sovereign. He's providing everything we need. Might we be driven to our knees, pleading that God would send more workers into his harvest field so that um, yeah, many would not perish? Now, I've heard that there are many uh, prayer uh, warriors here in our church at TAC, and it's been encouraging to hear as well. Uh, I trust that many of you have remained persistent in prayer for particular ministries, particular people, um, for particular struggles that you might be having. I've got no doubt that many of you know those sleepless nights, those anxious um, nights where you're driven to prayer for people who don't know Jesus, who aren't following him. And in verse 2, we're told about how desperate it is that the laborers are few in this vast world. And in response to this great need, Jesus commands, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We're given a specific thing to pray for. But we also know that we can pray to our God in all circumstances. Scripture teaches us that even when we're frustrated, when we're tired. I've just recently found out about a prayer um, information from our church uh, that, we can be, that can be accessed through an app. Uh, you might have this yourself. I've already got the Prayer Mate app on my phone. Um, I'd love to chat to you later about how to get that information so that you can be praying regularly, consistently for our church and that um, God would continue to work in many ways. Um, it's a really helpful way um, to get that updated information about what to be praying for uh, in your own prayer life. And I'm sure for many of us here today, you know what it means to labour for Christ and to labour in prayer. Now, lots of you have spent many years pouring yourself out for the sake of Jesus. And I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, those many ways that you have 
and the many ways that you plan on serving Jesus in the years to come. Uh, the last part of our p- first point uh, is that we pray in dangerous service, that it's dangerous service that we go out to. They went among wolves. And just like them, we'll often meet hostility in this world in a diff- range of different ways. Maybe you've received like a cold shoulder from somebody as they find out that you follow Jesus. See, following Jesus is dangerous for our reputation. Maybe people have slandered you for your faith. At work, they might say that you're a bit uptight or that you're just a bit lame because you don't follow in with a lot of what goes on um, in those environments. See, for many followers of Jesus spread across the globe, the hostility is ramped up in a huge way. Um, It's helpful for us to remember that, that many people persecuted for their faith, persecuted because they follow Jesus as Lord, now, when we're in a situation that is dangerous, we call out for help. It's just a natural response. We call to those who can help us, who have the, um, the ability. And just like if you were, you know, you went on this bushwalk today in the rain and you found yourself lost deep in the scrub, you'd call out to people who can actually help. If you still had reception, you'd call somebody who was able to be contacted. You might call out as loud as you possibly could, persistently, to see if somebody would hear. You'd keep going until you were safe and sound. You would shout at the top of your lungs. So might we labour in prayer with persistence and with conviction, knowing God is equipped to help us in our needs. Now the last point for today. Um, It relates to what happened to these 72 disciples when they returned from their mission trip. It's that keep our main joy in salvation, not in ministry fruit. Now, so far today, we've looked at how the first disciples served Jesus um, just um, as Jesus had served them. They went out to serve others before being served. They went out speaking of the kingdom of God. See, Jesus gave of his time and effort and he labored for the sake of others. And so his first followers were to do the same. But we need to keep remembering that we're just like those first disciples and we're going to stuff it up. We're not always going to serve and follow um, through on laying down our lives for others. Uh, Service is hard. We're going to drop the ball. We're not always going to have the right motives as we serve. See, the 72, they don't get it completely right. And none of us will. Notice at the end of their trip, they come back, and what do they say? I mean, they've had this really incredible trip. They've seen amazing fruit. They've seen um, Satan um, submissive to the, the name of Jesus. It's an incredible trip. And they say in verse 17, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And you can kind of imagine the us is emphasized here. The demons are subject to us. In your name. How cool is that? They don't say it's amazing that your name has such power. Jesus, wow, you are powerful. Look at this. It sort of needs a bit of rephrasing, I think. It seems they're focused on their part to play in serving others, on their fruit and their ministry, rather than on God who's growing his kingdom in this world. And we must be careful not to overstate this point, though. We, we can rejoice in ministry fruit. It's a 
It's a great thing when we see amazing things happen as we go out and as God's word is taught. Clearly, we can give thanks for great things that we observe as we serve. But it's about where our focus is at. We can have an unhealthy focus on fruit. A bit like this strange person looking at fruit. I tried to find some other photos, but uh, there you go. It'd be a bit strange if you just focused on the fruit rather than on the God who provides that fruit. We can focus on the numbers in our ministries in conversions or in people growing in their faith. We can have such a focus on fruit to the point that we almost forget that the fruit has come about from God, the life-giving vine. See, some of these disciples, they seem to be making much of the fact that demons were obedient to them in Jesus' name. But notice Jesus' reply in verse 20. He says, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's what he says is the best antidote to looking inward to our own service. Rejoice, your names are written in heaven. We have tremendous security in Jesus, saved by him now and later to receive all that he has promised. So here he corrects any thinking that would make an ordinary worker in God's harvest think that they are special or to be um, puffed up with pride. It's something we can all fall easily into, to be focused on our part in serving others, our gifts. I've certainly been guilty of this, and I've definitely seen it play out in many groups before as well. See, we're in a world that's bent on on ministry success, on looking for that fruit, looking inward. And if we begin to think like this, it's easy to be conceited and to become proud overly focusing on fruit in our ministries, it's a bit strange when there's a better reward of salvation tasted in the now and for our eternity as well. See, focusing on fruit now is a bit like picking tiny little apples that are tart, they're not even good to eat yet, but it's as if you went to a tree and you just pulled all the little apples off and you had a go at them and they weren't even that tasty. And you come to harvest time and there's nothing left. (laughs) There's nothing left. There's no juicy apple at harvest. You've become so fixed on the reward now that it doesn't even taste good in the now compared to that apple at harvest time that you've given up a greater joy, a fully ripe fruit at harvest time. See, Jesus reframes what it is to fill us with joy and with thanks and our focus Rather than focus on our part, we're to focus on God's part to play in the salvation of others. We're to thank God for his work in salvation. And it's freeing that Jesus taught these 72 this, and that he teaches us as well. So we don't need to place unbearable pressure on ourselves as we serve. To always get it right or to look inward to our efforts all the time. When we see fruit or when we don't see fruit, we can always find joy in our salvation. We can always rejoice in being a child of God whose name is written in heaven. So we're going to finish up now in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, may we go in our salvation and may we glory in our salvation because of Jesus more than any ministry success that we might experience. May we continue to sing and glory in your work more than our own. 
May we not serve in order to be glorified or puffed up, noticed or as a display of our power or skill. May we not follow Jesus like that, but instead truly follow him in serving others rather than being served. Thank you that our Lord served perfectly for others. Thank you for his supreme example that he sets for us. But thank you, Lord, that he served perfectly, meaning that we don't have to reach that perfect standard of service. We don't have to offer any sacrifice for our sins, any sacrifice of our time or efforts or money for forgiveness. All we offer you now is a sacrifice of praise, of gratitude for all that Christ has done for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.